0: Hi, everyone. Welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Happy game day to everyone as the Pelicans welcome in the Brooklyn Nets. Tonight at the Smoothie King Center, wrap up the season series with Brooklyn. Joining me now is the radio voice for the Brooklyn Nets and Chris Carino. Chris, welcome to the Big Easy. I know it's the lone visit for you guys, but good to have you on the program.
1: We always love coming to this city. It's an awesome city. Uh, We arrived last yesterday, right in the... uh, right in the thick of uh, everyone rushing to get to the superdome to see drew Brees break the record last night so uh it was it was festive in town so it was uh it was a fun night
0: do you have a go-to spot here i always like to ask the other broadcasters just because everyone has such a different opinion in a different place do you have a go-to spot when you come here
1: you know what my spot is nola okay. I, I love nola in the french quarter um that's always my uh, my go-to spot. Last night we did uh we had a big group and we ended up uh, just going over to Bourbon House. Okay. So, but uh, but I was actually here last week for the I called the the Saints 49ers game for Compass Media. So, um, so I was actually in town last weekend, too, and uh, I got my NOLA fix in last Saturday night.
0: Man, you're in good shape here twice in one week. That's definitely a good week for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Chris, let's talk about yeah. this Brooklyn Nets team. The last time the Pelicans faced the Nets was in Brooklyn. Um, the Nets got the win on November 4th. A lot has changed since then, I think, for both teams as far as the direction that they're heading. Obviously, no Kyrie is probably the biggest difference uh, for the Nets right now, but um, kind of compare what this Nets team looks like now compared to what they did in early November.
1: It was, uh, and and that game was a really high scoring game. Uh, That's the the Nets were playing very high scoring games early in the year. Kyrie was, um, was on fire in terms of his ability to, to light it up and score. And, um, but they weren't playing a lot of defense and they were able to win that game against the Pelicans, but they were four and seven when Kyrie went down. I think, um, it's not so much of a byproduct of Kyrie going down i think as coincidentally they just started to get a little more familiar with each other and i think the coaches understood the, the personnel a little more remember that a lot of, a lot of faces changed on this team from last year to this year and they had to develop that chemistry and that style and and figure out um what worked best and um it just seemed like at that around that time, eleven, twelve games into the season, the ball started a little better. There was a little more defensive chemistry, um, and they've become a team now that uh, you know the second unit was was really struggling, um, and now it seems like guys have figured out their roles. The ball is moving. the the uh, There's that attack offensively. There's that. Communication defensively. There's that energy. There's those, uh you know, cohesiveness, and I think it was it was on display the other night as an example when they're they're taking on a Philadelphia team that, albeit, was playing without Joel Embiid, uh, they were able to hold them to 89 points. So I think that they're they're starting to to figure out who they are, and and, I, and establish an identity that was a, a much more similar to last year's team. And um you know, I, I don't. You know, people will point to the fact that Kyrie Irving went down, and then all this, these things started to happen. They turned things around, but I think it's more of it, it, they they needed to to, to uh, you know sort of gel with all the new faces, and it just coincidentally happened when Kyrie went down.
0: And I think some guys have also stepped up in his absence, and that might be a little bit more of why the Brooklyn Nets are starting to pick it up a little bit. I think uh, the one person yeah. you should talk about is Spencer Dinwiddie, who's been. Uh playing really well lately uh almost twenty four points in either six or eight assists in the last four games, so what is it about spencer didn't we that he's looking like an all star right now
1: yeah amazingly uh he's had exactly twenty four points in four consecutive games, which I think is the first time that that's happened since uh, I think Magic Johnson or something like that but uh you know this is nothing new with Spencer. We saw this Spencer last season where you know we knew he's you know he's capable of doing what he's doing. Um, he's playing like an all-star, and when when guys get injured, it's opportunities for other guys. And I think Spencer, you know, knows that he didn't have to defer to Kyrie, and he can just go into attack mode himself. He, he, he can play with the ball in his hands. Um, he's a really talented scorer. He's a guy that can really get any place on the floor he wants. He he's hard to contain on the perimeter. And he's got a real good feel for the game. The concern always is you when guys move from one role to the other, who replaces them? So Dinwiddie had become uh, a second-unit scorer and was uh, you know, potential sixth man of the year. And now he moves into the starting lineup, and it was a question of, well, who replaces him? And they really haven't uh, found that answer, but they've – kind of spread out their rotation a little bit. So Garrett Temple will come out earlier with the starters. He'll come back in with the second unit. He'll become more of the scorer that way. So you talk about guys stepping up. I think Garrett Temple is another guy. Um, this is a guy that in his career where he's been a journeyman, nine teams in his in his NBA career, uh, has had a different role with, with many of those teams. And on this team, he's becoming uh, – a go-to guy in the second unit, which I think has really added to his confidence level. I don't know if he's ever had a coach that's given him enough as much offensive freedom as Kenny Atkinson has given him, and it's paying dividends. And then Temple is a glue guy defensively. So that second unit started to become uh, a real uh, force defensively. And a guy that got an opportunity who's no longer with the team, ironically enough, is Amon Shumpert. He came in because they were able to use, uh, replace a roster stop because Wilson Chandler was suspended for the first 25 games. So after five games, the Nets were able to add another player without releasing a player. So they added him on Shumpert. And Shumpert came in and really gave them a defensive identity, especially with the second unit, You know, a guy that really gets after his physical uh, deflection, steals, and I think it really set a tone for them, and it trickled down to the Garrett Temples, the David Nwabas, uh, the, the old Pinsons. So that second unit really shored up, and then unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, they got Wilson Chandler back on Sunday, um, a guy that I think that can help them, but they had to release someone, and he was, uh, Schumpert was on a non-guaranteed deal, so um, he was the likely candidate that had to be replaced. So uh, but it, it, it all in all, these are these are all guys that have stepped up, and we haven't even mentioned the center position, and that's right. Jared Allen and uh, and DeAndre Jordan. And Jared Allen has really made a leap from year two to year three, uh, much more um, physical, much more uh, defensive oriented. He can protect the rim, and he's rebounding the ball extremely well. And DeAndre Jordan has come in and, and has shown that. As the season's gone along, he's gotten into great shape, and he's and he's he's playing with a force that we haven't seen in a couple of years. So all that is is a
0: long-winded answer to your question
1: leading in about Spencer Dinwiddie, but all those things have kind of contributed to the Nets stepping up and playing well lately.
0: I'm glad he brought up Wilson Chandler because he did make his uh, regular season debut the other night. Um, what are the plans for him as far as how much he's going to be involved in the rotation? How did he look the other night? Um, and so what do you think the biggest thing with him is going to be as far as getting some minutes uh, in this team that's uh, looking pretty good off the bench now?
1: Yeah, I mean, they threw him right into the fire the other day, and there was some rust, no doubt, as you would expect for a guy who hadn't played this year, Um, but I think that when you look at the the weakness that the Nets have is they're not very big and physical at at the positions other than the center spot. Um, Even Jared Allen's a slight, Guy and, and then when you when you face a, a a more lumbering bigger center you have DeAndre Jordan is, is there as well but um, you know starting Torian Prince at the power forward spot and then when they come off the bench you're you're playing a guy like David Nwaba who's like six five at the power forward spot so um, with Wilson Chandler six eight thick strong physical guy it's 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 really what they need. Um, and I think he'll be able to contribute right away. I think Kenny Atkinson has a familiarity with Wilson Chandler going back to his days when he was a coach at the Knicks. So uh, they're they're expecting Wilson Chandler to play a big role right right off the bat.
0: Chris, when you look at this, t- the Pelicans team. I know it's hard keeping up with every team just based on your schedule to you get along with the NBA you and your NFL duties as well. But what have you noticed about mm-hmm. the Pelicans? I know they're on one of the toughest streaks in, in franchise history here on a 12 game losing streak, but. When looking at the notes and kind of observing them from afar, uh, what have you noticed from them lately?
1: I'm, I'm kind of surprised by it, to be honest with you. Looking at them early in the year, uh, I know Zion went out, but um, they looked like a much more dangerous team than they're showing now. And I know injuries to other positions have helped them, uh, I, I've not helped them. Um, you know, I, I thought Brandon Ingram was on his way to, to really being a, a good player in this league. I've always liked Drew Holiday. Um, you would have to tell me, I mean, as far as you know, I I, I know that I know the Zion thing kinda took the wind at everybody's sails. I think you were so excited to have Zion Williamson come in. I'm sure the coaching staff was was gearing up to, to build everything around him and then he goes down and you don't know when he's coming back and uh, I I know it had to be uh something that disappointed everyone, uh, the air comes out of the balloon a little bit, and then when things start to go bad, it just starts to compound and compound and compound, and I think that's probably what you're going through right now. You'd be able to, you know, I'd, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts, if if you could, uh, you know, a little bit about what you think is the issue right now.
0: Yeah, I think um, the injuries were certainly a part of it, but I feel like the Pelicans are getting healthier uh, by the minute um, as far as getting Derek favors back um the only thing is jj reddick is now out for tonight's game with some uh, a groin injury um but i think defensively has mm. been the biggest issue for the pelicans right now as far as just too many guys getting wide open looks on the other end the point of contact for the pelicans defensively has been um not really great and then pick and roll uh, defending the pick and roll has been one of the biggest issues for the pelicans this season so yeah i think uh, as the kind of yeah. similar to the brooklyn nets as far as the chemistry is concerned. I think a lot of people thought by now the Pelicans would be able to pick up um, with a lot of new faces kind of playing with one another. But with so many lineup changes, it's certainly been a struggle. And so I think that's kind of been the biggest reason for uh, part of this losing streak right now. It's not all of it. Obviously, a a tough schedule has been another big part of it, the second hardest schedule in the league to date. Um, But some of these is you've got to throw excuses out the window. And some of it's just been poor play on the defensive end. So offensively, things have started to click again. But defensively, has been the biggest issue for New Orleans. Yeah,
1: I know. I know Reddick going out is it hurts. I, I I really thought he would be a guy that um, would make a big difference. And when he's in there, he can. Um, I I know you mentioned if the you know, the weakness of the pick and roll defense, and that's something that um, they'll have to be concerned with with the Nets tonight because the Nets are uh, a high volume pick and roll team, and and uh, with Jared Allen and, and DeAndre Jordan, um, they they play it a little differently. Jared Allen will um will roll and 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 roll to the rim. DeAndre Jordan can can roll to the post and then pass out of the post. So they it, they present a lot of challenges in that regard. So if the if the Pelicans are having difficulty defending that, um that could be something that will hurt them tonight against the Nets, no doubt about it. And uh you know, I I think it's it, when you do have a young team, you have to go through these struggles and I think like just like the Nets um, you know, you mentioned the schedule got difficult for the Pelicans. I also think, to be fair, when Kyrie Irving went down, they went through a stretch where the, the schedule got easier. Mm-hmm. And um, but that being said, they have they have played well against good teams. They beat Denver. You know, they beat Philadelphia. Um, so we will have to see. But again, I think similar to what the Nets are going through, maybe not as severe with the losing because they are over 500 right now. And we mentioned holes in the lineup. We mentioned how, uh, you know, they're starting Torian Prince at the four, undersized guy, don't have that physicality. And, you know, it, people could panic and say, well, they need to go out and get a four. They need to. And then you realize that you have one of the best in the world that is in street clothes, that is sitting on the bench in Kevin Durant, uh, that will fill that, that hole pretty well next season. So you don't want to panic too much or do anything that will. Uh, you know, long-term ramifications. And I think similar to what you're going through in New Orleans, it's like, well, uh, I understand things are going, aren't going well right now and um, you want them to be better, but uh, I do think you have a, a potential real, you know, top five guy in the league that's getting ready to come into the lineup. I think he showed you enough in the preseason to get excited about. So um, it, it shouldn't be all gloom and doom.
0: Uh, you mentioned some of the young guys before I let you go here. Um, Brandon Ingram had um, a pretty good night against Brooklyn um, in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, what have you seen uh, from Brandon Ingram just from afar, too? Again, you know, you saw the first three seasons with the Lakers, but Brandon Ingram has really been a, a huge factor for the Pelicans this season. Are, are you kind of surprised by how uh, the progress Brandon's made, or is this something that maybe a lot of people saw coming? Well,
1: yeah, I don't. I, you know, we we went through a similar situation with a guy coming from the Lakers, who perhaps wasn't in the best situation, and then turned his career around when he came to the Nets, and that was D'Angelo Russell. And they're different players, but similar situations there. I don't, I don't know how, um, I don't know how great the Laker, you know, things have turned around now that LeBron James is there. Um, but and and even last year, LeBron was there, but they were in a state of flux. And he was injured, um, but I don't know what a great culture they had there, and and what a great setup it was for young players to develop. And maybe that's what Brandon Ingram needed. I mean, we certainly knew he had the talent coming out of college, so maybe he needed that change of scenery. And it seems to have 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 served him well in New Orleans. And you know, having seen him live just that one game when he came into Brooklyn, uh, the Nets couldn't stop him. I mean, I don't remember what he, he shot in that game, but he, 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 he didn't miss much. Um, his length was a real factor in that game. So uh, that's something that, again, with, with the Nets not having a lot of size uh, outside the center position, um, that's certainly a concern for Kenny Atkinson and his group here tonight. But I, but always, I always thought that, that Ingram could be a really good player. Uh, you know, he's, he's got freakish length and agility at his size. And I think, uh, you know, I think you're starting to see that here in New Orleans.
0: That's Chris Carino, radio voice of the Brooklyn Nets. We'll see him tonight. here as the Pelicans welcome in Brooklyn uh, for the final time and only time this season. Chris, I really appreciate the time. I'm glad you got to spend a couple times here in the Big Easy in the last week or so. And uh, we'll see you at the arena tonight. All
1: right, Daniel. Thanks. I'll
0: see you later. Yep. There he goes. That's Chris Carino again, radio voice of the Brooklyn Nets. Pelicans and Nets tonight from the Smoothie King Center. It's the last home game Uh, Before the Christmas holiday for the Pelicans, of course, they leave tonight after the game for their nine-day, four-game Christmas road trip. It's a tough one to start as the Pelicans will take on the Minnesota Timberwolves tomorrow night in Minnesota. Then it's off to San Francisco to take on the Warriors on Friday. Then the Pelicans will have the weekend off and will take on the Portland Trailblazers Monday, December 23rd. And then they'll wrap up on Christmas Day, the last game of the night, as they take on the Denver Nuggets. Next time, the Pelicans will be back home after tonight, December 28th and 29th. It's a home-home back-to-back as they welcome in the Pacers and the Houston Rockets. Of course, our pregame will start at 6.30 tonight. Actually, you can listen to Pelicans walkthrough at 6 o'clock on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM with Gus Kattengill. And then I'll have Pelicans warm up at 6.30. Todd Graffinini and John DeShazer will have the call at 7. Of course, you can watch it too. On Fox Sports New Orleans with Joel Myers, Antonio Daniels, and Jen Hale. And we'll have another podcast for you tomorrow from Minnesota. A little roundtable discussion. Todd Graff and Jim Ikenhofer and myself will kind of recap tonight's game and get you ready for Wednesday's game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Again, today's podcast is presented by SeatGeek. Trying to find tickets to basketball, games, or any other live event can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing. With SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple of taps. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase when they use the SeatGeek app. Use the code GOPELS, all one word, all caps, at checkout. SeatGeek, score the best deals on tickets. Hope everyone has a great day. Stay warm. It's a little cold today after a nice day yesterday in the Big Easy. And we'll talk to you tonight on the radio and uh, wherever else you may be taking in today's podcast. Until tomorrow, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.